Welcome to Tripping Over the Barrel, a series that highlights the unique personalities within the oil and gas industry and the stories they have to share with your hosts and lead storytellers, Tilo and Dr. Funkenstein. Tim, I'm coming to you live today from downtown Houston. I don't have my typical microphone set up like I do in the home office, visiting with the client downtown. Anyways, so I'm not going to be quite as clear since I don't have my professional setup, but nonetheless, I've been excited about this episode for a while. You've been talking about it for a long time, trying to get this one set up. And of course, how come we're not in the same room? You're in Houston, I'm in Houston. Why couldn't we figure out how to get this in the same room? I think we sort of talked about the Wildcatters guys aren't working right now. I think they're sort of just chill out. Oh, they're, yeah, they're coming down after the Evolve conference. Which was incredible. And Jason, I think you you uh, attended that a little bit too. I thought it was really impressive what they put together. So shout out to the boys for uh, for that. Anyways, uh, Jason Olbickson and Amanda Stevens. Um, so to bring it back to me, of course, this is all about me. It's all about you. Always. Um, the first job I had in oil and gas was at a company called Bolo. I think actually maybe it was WellPoint Systems at the time, but the flagship product was Bolo uh, out of the Lakewood, Colorado office. And Jason was down here in Houston. I came on as a sales guy and Amanda and Jason were the sales engineers. They were the demo people. So Tim, you you had that role a little bit in your career. You know, oh, yeah. the relationship yeah. between the sales guy and the sales engineer. And they were just awesome. Like I think a lot of people bought that product because of how well Jason and particularly Amanda showed the solution. So they've had great careers since the Bolo days, Jason to P2 and, and Salesforce and Amanda with Enervest and then uh, to Whiting. So I wanted to, to bring you guys together, rehash some of the good old stories. So let's start with this. Amanda, why don't you give a little bit about your upbringing? I think you're from Denver itself. How did you end up in oil and gas on the tech side and then ultimately um, on the operator side? Uh, you're, you're correct. I grew up in Denver and I had a job in high school and the contact person who I worked with, uh, his wife worked at a company called Cody Energy. And after I finished high school, I started college and he said, you really should talk to my wife. They'll pay for most of your college. So I went to work for Cody Energy, who happened to be one of the first Bolo clients. At that time, it was called G-Wiz. Well, I didn't know that. That's cool. Wow. Had some great mentors there who taught me uh, all about the industry and a lot about Bolo and the technical side of it. And then a couple jobs later, uh, G Wiz slash Bolo was hiring, and I think there were seven people at the company at that time. And wow. I was able to just start from the ground up. It was a lot of fun. Oh, that's fantastic! And so you wrote it out basically until P two acquired Bolo, and then immediately some of the Bolo customers were like, "We want to hire you." Right. I mean, I we we learned it was almost something you learned as a child to hate P2. So even though P2 is a good company in my brain, I just thought there's no way I can go work for them. And fortunately had some good contacts at Enervest and they, they were able to, to take care of me. 
No, that's awesome. Yeah, I remember seeing you on some early Monday morning flights headed down to Houston, both of us, you know, 5 a.m., yep. all bleary-eyed. I'm like, oh, Amanda, yeah. Yeah. Both of us going to work in some capacity. But now those those days were fun and, and certainly miss it. So, uh, Jason, how about you, man? You're the, uh, what, the Prince of Sugarland, something like that? <laughs> something like that. Yeah, grew up in Sugarland, been in Houston my whole life. You know, my move into the industry is probably not quite as exciting. I graduated from college, needed a job, and someone was hiring. So that was it. And the <laughs> someone was Unical, who has since been bought by Chevron. So that's how I got into the industry. Probably most everyone in Houston, in some capacity, touches the industry. Um, worked for an operator for about three years as a production accountant and a revenue accountant. And um, quickly realized that's not what I wanted to do with my life, specifically being a revenue accountant at a big company is a pretty tough gig. So I, I think I looked at the PASH website, maybe Petroleum Accounting Society of Houston. And I think yep. there was an advertisement for Polo, someone that knew production accounting because they were launching a production accounting system. I applied and I think uh, Amanda was my first boss when I joined as a consultant. <laughs> nice. So I think. I flew to Denver and went through the hiring process with uh, Amanda, Mike Williamson, and a few other folks. So um, I've been in technology sales for oil and gas ever since. Never looked back. I think uh, the dark side, the sales dark side is a lot more fun than, in my opinion, than being kind of a, a back office revenue accountant. Yeah, yeah. You won't get that argument from us. Yeah. yeah com completely agree. So, Jason. You just you mentioned Unical and you're from Sugarland. So did you work in that office in Sugarland? I did, and I, yeah. it was funny. Yeah, a big office out in Sugarland, and my mom, she worked in an office right across the freeway, and she kind of overlooked me. And I'll never forget one day we did. You know, the safety is real important for an operator. They do the drills of like fire drill, and they did the alarm, and we all mustered in the parking lot. And my mom could see me, so. We didn't have cell phones at the time. I'm dating myself. But I got back to my office and I had like 10 messages from my mom. Is everything okay? What's going on? Is there a fire? So I was pretty close to home and, and really uh, enjoyed kind of hovering around the Sugarland area for a while. That's pretty cool. Now, funny thing about that office building, I'm just going to tell an aside story. When you look down on it, it's actually in the shape of an oil derrick. They built it specifically in the shape of an oil That's derrick. Sweet. So laying on its side, it slanted just the same way. And if you look at the the uh, the emergency exit map that you had to use, Jason, it is an oil derrick laying on its side. It's pretty cool. I didn't know that. And I worked there. That's cool. Good to know. Yeah, this is, this is fun. I'm smiling ear to ear. So, I mean, Amanda, you said something that resonated with me, and it's so true. I was... You were pretty young then too. I think I was even a little bit younger, but I was so conditioned to be like, you know, competitive and, and P2 was just the enemy. So when the rumors started to happen that, that it was going to be P2 and all we wanted to do was, was beat Excalibur every single day. That's why we went to work. Our product's a million times better, even though they're very similar <laughs> solutions. Um, when that started to become the rumor, I'm like, I, I can't, I, I can't do it. And Tim, you and I started talking around that time. I'm like, this seems like a nice soft landing. I don't have to worry about fighting for my job or going over there and, and uh, sleeping with the enemy proverbially. So that was, that was something else really, but it's you know, amazing how emotional we get. It's amazing how emotional we get over going to the, you know, to the competitor. I mean, we, we had a whole show on this. Uh, I don't know, episode five or six, where we were talking about this, yeah. but I had the same thing when I was with Slumberjay thinking about going in to see a Halliburton office. Man, it was, man, that was very difficult. <laughs> you can't do that. 
Amanda and Jeremy, I think you guys forgot to call me or something because I stuck around for a while, so I didn't get the memo. <laughs> but we were all jumping ship. You were well, the you were the loyal guy. We didn't think we needed a memo. We just <laughs> oh man, no. So you know, wow! I didn't realize the whole Jason Amanda connection. That so she sort of trained you on Bolo and and how that all worked, and then ultimately you became you know kind of one of the ace demo guys yourself, Jason. That's, that's me. Did, did you guys have different specialties? Like it seemed like both of you could sort of show the end to end system, but was there areas that one of you was stronger at than the other one or had a weakness that the other one could cover up? Oh, well, one of the main reasons we were interested in Jason when we hired him was his background in production because we didn't have anyone with that skill set. I mean, obviously, Jason became an expert in all the areas, but uh, because I didn't really like the production side, I always loved it when he took that piece over. That's great. Yeah, I don't think Amanda has any weaknesses. She was the uh, seriously. She, she was the guru. She was my lifeline. Like I can remember times being out with because I was doing first. I was doing consulting. Then I went into sales. I'd be out training people and. Like say, oh, I have to go to the restroom, excuse me. And then I run into another office and call her and say, what do I do? It's not working. How do I do this? Wait, Please wait, help me. Did you call me from the bathroom or were you? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I would go to another office because they didn't have cell phones a lot back then. Maybe yeah. I started getting a cell phone. I never called you from the bathroom, Amanda, I promise. Actually, I remember, Jason, one time we went out for dinner and you were the first person who taught us how to text message i think or it was some maybe on our blackberry <laughs> i remember that as cyclone and ayas over some yeah. really big margaritas I yep. remember that. wow wow now we're dating everybody yeah <laughs> oh, yeah so i i have a so amanda you did exactly opposite of jason so jason goes to an operator then goes into the the technical and sales world and stays and you did the exact well the opposite where you went from the the tech world into operators what was your experience going from WellPoint at the time into, well, Intervest and then ultimately Whiting? Uh, I think I've always really loved working with numbers, but I also like the tech side. So when I went to work for Intervest, I worked in a capacity of supporting the, the BOLO system at the same time as working with the accountants and, the, and uh, establishing better processes. And that's kind of morphed into where I'm at at Whiting, even though I manage the accounting team, I still support the Bolo software and develop uh, new processes and reports. So it's, to me, it's the best of all worlds to be able to do both sides of it. Now, having done demos for a career, for a part of your career anyway, as basically a living, doing demos and helping clients get started, and now being in the position you're in at Whiting, you've got to have a bunch of sales guys coming through trying to sell you stuff. What do you sit there and critique their demo styles and the mistakes they make, or do you interrupt them and say, Hey, you know, there's a better way to do this. No, I think I'm, it taught me to be more compassionate. I understand where somebody's coming from in a different light. So where somebody might be closed minded and say, well, that's not going to work for us. I'm able to get the team on board and and see how something could work for us, even if it, if there were some gaps in the software. 
But even, well, I want to go back to the the techniques. Do you ever sit there and watch these guys come in and say, you know, that's not the right way to show that feature? <laughs> uh, if somebody were to demo Bolo, I'm sure I could critique yeah. them up and down. Uh, it's hard for me to critique a system that I'm not an expert in. Like, I mean, I've, I've said this numerous times, probably even on this, this podcast, but like one of the uh, fortuitous advantages that I had in my career was the, the P2 acquisition of Bolo because then people like, uh, you know, Amanda and Carrie and Jennifer Bullock and others ended up at Whiting. Uh, Rick Rail went to Bonanza Creek. Al went to Vanguard, which is now Grizzly. So all of a sudden I had these unbelievable contacts at a point when oil prices were still pretty high and tech was really emerging in the space. So the ability to not only get meetings, but then have someone, like Amanda said, have compassion on the other side of the table was was awesome. So I knew like if they were calling, they weren't just going to kick tires and waste time. They actually wanted to do business. So um, I've always appreciated that uh, sort of lifeline. So, so Jason, you know, I remember when you actually left P2 because they loved you. Everybody loved working with Jason, one of my favorite colleagues really of, of all time. And I'll, I'll tell a story about that in a minute. But Jason... Um, you went to Salesforce at a point where they really didn't have much with oil and gas. I want to say 2013, 2014, something like that. Yeah, it was, they were just building the, the practice at the time. And uh, I was actually doing some, I was doing sales operations, which uh, I was running sales operations and the demo team rolled up into that at P2 at that time. And so part of that was, you know, the demo team and, and participating there as a manager, but also other part was kind of doing forecasts and analysts. And I had a couple analysts on my team and we were using Salesforce. So we went to their Dreamforce conference, which is, if you've never been, it's like Disneyland for adults, just so much fun. It's amazing. And the vibe was just so cool. It was such the Silicon Valley, you know, hipster vibe, DJs and outdoor areas, esplanades, beanbag chairs, hacky sack you know, the quintessential oh, hipster San Francisco thing, you know, guys with skinny jeans, all that stuff. It's like, man, <laughs> you know, this vibe is so cool. Then I go back to our office and, you know, the typical, you know, not to pick on wardrobes, but the, the khakis with the big pleats and the wide bottoms. Like, uh, yeah, we're behind not only technology, but just like <laughs> lifestyle. Yeah. I was like, yeah. that's a cool company. I, I would love to be part of that, that somehow. And, um, then someone that we worked with at Oracle went over to start their practice, a guy named Matt Pittner and P2 had an Oracle application. So we worked rather closely with him and I didn't even know him. I just knew of him and he started the oil and gas practice. And about six months later, they posted for a solution engineer. And I was like, Oh my God, I didn't know Salesforce did oil and gas stuff. I'm a solution engineer or have been, I'm going to apply and just kind of cold applied and got the job. And, they, and then when I got the job, everyone told me, he's like, wow, no one just like, applies cold and gets a job it's all through someone you know but they were really looking for oil and gas expertise and there wasn't a lot you know in the hipster silicon valley ecosystem so, <laughs> so for a you know i'm i'm a sales guy so i'm familiar with crms and i know what salesforce does heck, heck i'm a client an oil and gas practice are you selling to service companies who need a crm are you selling to operators who are doing presumably something else? What is, who's your, who's your target now? It's so our practice is across the value chain. So it's the oil field service companies who that makes sense, right? They're selling 
just like we're selling software, they're selling fracking services, et cetera. You need a CRM. The downstream operators, because they're selling lubricants and fuels, both B2B and B2C. So you need a CRM for that. But we do do a lot for the operators, both midstream, upstream, and kind of the downstream refineries. Um, not a lot of people think about us just because they think of us as CRM and it's our stock ticker and Salesforce is our name. Kind of it's our Achilles heel. Um, but we do a lot with just other digital capabilities around field service, supplier engagement, stakeholder engagement, you know, internal employee help desk, just a lot of aspects of it. Um, but definitely our biggest kind of bread and butter is with the traditional CRM and field services and downstream refining and loops. Yeah, when when so it really is everyone. I mean, they have like dedicated account managers who just service ConocoPhillips. Like there's there's pretty significant amounts of stuff, Tim. And if you think about just all of the acquisitions, like, you know, Slack, we'll see what happens, but maybe that'll be a competitor to Tableau. You know, yeah, Teams Tableau. MuleSoft. Uh, yeah, MuleSoft as an integrator. Like there, there's a lot more than just the typical CRM now. But when it first hit my radar, it was like, I mean, I remember talking to like Rockpile Energy and Baker Hughes, and they were all using it, which makes sense. They're in sets, right? So, um, but operators are using it now for different things. And, you know, there's lots of videos out there with the Toby Rice and the EGT guys. They love talking about what they've done with Salesforce. So, Amanda, I have to bring this up, and I hope you want to talk about it. But when I met you originally, I think you were just coming off a torn ACL. But what happened? <laughs> Was that, was that a ski accident or something? I, I forget. All right. <laughs> he's, all, I, he's laughing, so he clearly knows. But what is no. it? <laughs> I, I wish I had a big, I climbed a huge mountain story. But no, it was a, a user conference, a too much fun in a night uh, type of night. And mm. we were at, there were about, probably 20 of us at least that thought it would be a great idea to go to a hip hop club. And our age ranges were from probably 25 years old all the way up to 65 years old. All of us walking into this hip hop club. Uh, and we proceeded to drink quite a bit. And I believe it was Alabeda spilled a beer on the dance floor. And I slipped and it actually wasn't my ACL. My kneecaps upside down and the cartilage all fell off of it. So three surgeries later, I got a brand new, brand new knee. Oh, Jason, were you there for that? I was. Amanda, do you remember? I'm not. A, I, I, yeah, I was there. Do you remember the name of the place? I do. You do? Yeah. It was the hangar. It was? Yeah. It was like what a big was it? area. Yeah, it made to look like a big airport hanger. I, I'm glad that you uh, called out Al Beta because I'd like to second that I think it was him because there was a lot of like debate and topic about who did it, and I'm glad it wasn't me. But not only was there, I was there. I helped make sure Amanda got home safely in one piece. And if I remember correctly, it was probably Al, myself, who knows who else, in a cab to take Amanda home. Right. Um, and and we dropped her off in, in pretty poor condition. And I, I, yeah. I felt they just, bad about that. They just kicked me out of the cab. And my boyfriend was there. Yeah. Like, here, and, she's broken. And, we don't want her anymore. I got this imagine of Animal House. They take her back in the uh, grocery yeah. cart and just put her on the front. Yes. Seriously. And imagine, he didn't know us probably. So imagine this three guys show up at, you know, at your front door with a cab and your girlfriend. It's like, here she is. She's broken. Sorry. 
<laughs> Good luck with that. Your problem now. Yeah. Uh, but, 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 you know, it came back to bite me in the butt because then I think about five o'clock in the morning, I got a call from Helen Leak who said, Amanda's, it was serious because we didn't know. That's why we joked about it. You know, we didn't know it's serious. She's going to the hospital. You have to teach all her classes. As <laughs> I was like, what? Exactly. Damn it. No, I was going to sit back. She's the expert. Yeah. And, no, and, and of, of course, Alabeda had a good excuse to not show up that day, too. So yeah. uh, she had to probably cover his, too. Oh, yeah, probably. Shocking. I love Al. I actually saw him this week. And he, you know, he reiterated that the phrase that he likes to, to live by is, I will never take the high road. <laughs> <laughs> Have I ever told you the, uh, the, the story of how I uh, had my knee surgery, Jeremy? No, no. So you just reminded me of this, Amanda. So you're going to, you guys will hear my little story. Hopefully I can get it down to one minute. For a period of a week, every day I had to go clean up the trash in our yard because some possum was, was getting in our trash can and dragging stuff around. So I was always angry every morning. Friday night, we go out, we have a babysitter, I drive the babysitter home, come back to the house and there's the possum sitting on my fence. So I go up to it with the hose extension, swing at it. And in the process of swinging, my knee gives out. So now it's, it's what, 1 a.m. in the morning, and I'm laying in the grass in my uh, my yard, unable to get to the house, and no one's there to help me. So anyway, I wind up, I, I crawl into the house and wake my wife up and say, go get ice and just lay, lay down. So anyway, to this day, my kids all send me pictures of possums all the time, and you know they blame the possum for it. But anyway, just a silly little story. It's funny how those things happen. So did you ever make up a different story when people ask you what happened to you? <laughs> no, I wish, uh, you know, the, the name of the, uh, we named the possum Al, though. How about that? <laughs> That's great. Now, I, I remember, like, when I knew Bolo was a, was a different company. Well, first of all, I was at companies in 2005, 6, 7, before going to Bolo into 2007, where they were already SaaS, right? They were already sort of cloud, like more like what Salesforce was pushing at that time. Uh, and then I come to Bolo and Amanda's showing the product my first day on the job. And I'm like, people buy this and you have to put a server in your office to access it? Like, what year is this? And it's like, no, people are actually buying it. And, and they were buying it in droves, especially at that time, which was Wild, but but going to Austin. But your competitor was saying Unidata. What is Unidata? You know what? Yeah. You know what? So I remember going to Austin. I must have been there for four or five months at that point. So still pretty pretty green. And they flew the whole company basically. I think Jason drove down his fancy BMW. But uh, everybody from Denver flew down uh, to Austin for the user conference in 2008 when business was was really kind of going good. And, and that first night, I think everybody was out big time at the bar and there were women dancing on the bar, right? There was wheelbarrow races with the VP of services. <laughs> I'm like, this, this place is different, man. This place is different. You guys remember that? Yeah. Do you remember Jeremy being uh, at the hotel later that night and someone had locked your, your fancy new iPhone <sighs> that you were so proud of? And Steve Stitch, I think, had messed around yeah. with the, the, the login just to screw with you. And you were, you were in a sorry state of affairs, like two 30 in the morning in the hotel lobby, not even our hotel. We didn't even know where we were staying. Your right. iPhone wasn't working. We were in bad shape. I was very angry about that. He put a passcode lock. He's like, Oh, you got that new iPhone. It was the 
iPhone one. Let me, let me see it. And he puts a passcode lock on my phone and doesn't tell me what the code is. Right. (laughs) So it's locked the rest of the conference. I can only answer calls. And I was like the, the kind of like sales point of contact. I got all the, you know, so I had the phone rolling to there and someone called and I, I couldn't get it and I couldn't check the message. So finally, when I got my phone working again, it was like a sales call, right? And this guy's like, why the hell didn't this guy call me back? And I'm like, well, it's because this idiot locked me out of my phone. I had to spend three hours Saturday morning talking to Apple support to get it all set up. Jason, thanks for reminding me. I'm actually kind of pissed off. He's looking angry. I see him on FaceTime here. He's looking pretty angry. (laughs) I wrote Steve an email that was like, uh, if I wanted to deal with children, I would have been a teacher. Something like that. <laughs> Man, anyways, yeah, those were he, some good Steve times. Steve Stitch was just a total big kid. He, that guy is, uh, he, he, was the most – immo- he, was, he was a nice guy, but very, very – Everything was an all-nighter with him. Do you remember that? He'd have a, something to do, and he'd like to stay up all night and wait to the very <laughs> end like he's still in college. Every time he's like, yeah, I pulled an all-nighter, getting ready for this presentation. It's like, why? <laughs> You don't need to do that. No. I remember specifically with him, he was with Phil Pilgrim. Remember that name? Mm-hmm. Yep. So he and Phil were, I think, in Tulsa or something like that to, to demo to some like unit or somebody who's like been around for a hundred years type of thing. And Steve's like, hey, listen, like we got to wear ties. Phil's like, oh, I, I was just going to wear a tight, you know, golf shirt like I always do. He's like, no, no, no. We have to like get whatever. <laughs> so they went to Walmart and Steve's like, I got it. I'm the sales guy. I'll pick out your tie. So he buys a tie with the Playboy no. logo all over it, right? <laughs> like <laughs> speckled on it. And they sit in the car. He's like, here's your tie. And he's like, Phil turned completely white. He's like, I'm just kidding. And <laughs> gave him a normal tie to That's wear. That's funny. I never heard that. That is funny. <laughs> that, was, that was just Steve, though, you know. Um, you guys remember the guy who did push-ups in the office? And then oh, we have to we have to go there, huh? I'm curious what you guys remember about that because that was nuts. I I I remember we were a little bit nervous about it at the time. Definitely. Looking back Definitely. on it, it was it, it's funny, but we thought that guy was crazy. I we thought it, we had no idea what he was going to start doing because it was like he was on some sort of. Drug. Well, we got, we got to tell a little bit of the backstory on why he was doing the push-ups, though, don't we? <laughs> I forget. I mean, so th- this was at a point, Bolo had a lot of growth in 2008. So like most companies do, let's just throw more sales guys at it. So they're trying to divide up territories and it's looking like the new guy's not going to get much. So some sort of, I don't know, these guys are starting to go back and forth, Steve and the other dude, and, and it's getting tense. You can tell. So I think Steve came over and intentionally was like rustling through the contracts cabinet. Remember where that was in the Lakewood office? Yeah. Yeah, huge file cabinet with all the contracts. He's kind of messing around and, and Steve says something and he's like, you know, just trying to get under his skin. And he's like, he's like, man, you're, you're a pinhead. The guy's like pinhead. Well, you're a fucking dickhead. He's like, what? So anyways, you know, he said something like, I, I don't like you. I, I hope you lose your job. I'm going to tell HR that you just called me a dickhead. Right. Then all of a sudden the new guy starts doing pushups on the ground. And of course, this is right outside of Mandy's office in HR, right? <laughs> like strategically located so that she had to hear all of it. Before I knew it, all of a sudden people are like, the cops are here. <laughs> why, why push-ups? Was he re- trying to relax or pump himself I think, up? 
I, I think now, it's pumping himself up for a fight or something. No, no. I, I, as you guys know, I also know this gentleman. And when he gets that, it's a way of self-control. He's actually trying to take the energy away from something more interesting. <laughs> God. Well, that's good to know. We didn't know that at the time. That's what a psychiatrist recommended. It, yeah, it's great. We had to, it's great when there's an office next to a driving range or something. And you just send him out. All right, go over there to the driving range and take it out. That that yes. was one of the more eventful days, and it was a Friday. I had friends come into town, and I think I only took a half day. But of course, I take a half day on the day where everyone's reaching out to me, dude. Did you hear what happened? There was almost a fight. The cops came. I'm like, I'm just trying to hang out with my friends who are here from the East Coast. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> All right. I don't, I don't want a name to pop up, but Amanda, I'm going to ask you first. Uh, this whole show, Tripping Over the Barrel, was named basically after little funny stories of Jeremy and I on sales calls. Just the funny crap that kind of happens when we're out on the road. And you you did this for a number of years, working with a lot of different sales guys, Jeremy included. There has to be some funny stories and presentations that you know went wrong or just funny things that happened. You got any that you remember? Failures. You know, we we became really good at winging it. So I I think uh, I don't know if I can come up with a really good story around a, a demo situation. But one of our conferences we had placed. Everyone was so stressed out. And so I had the person preparing all the slideshows insert some slides with people riding donkeys. and oh. So while they're in the middle of their presentation, a slide would pop up with them on, on some sort of animal. And uh, I don't know, it, did, it helped just release some of the stress of it. And I, I think the users conferences were the most that we had the most opportunity to just goof around with each other. Totally. Jason, do you have any that come to mind? Yeah, I have, I have some pretty funny hijinks because I think I was more full-time sales than Amanda. And so I was doing Bolo demos and I, and it was the same demo. I could probably do it myself. I'm sure I gave that same demo about 500 times. So like I wouldn't get nervous because it was autopilot. It was muscle memory <laughs> towards the end of my career there. Um, and there was one gentleman, um, Matt McCormick. You guys might <laughs> yeah, know. He's one of my Matt. favorite. Love Mac. If you're, if you're listening to Mac, we got to grab lunch soon. And we we went with the folks from Opportune, not Opportune, who were they before? Petroact, Gianna mm-hmm. and Jim Boney. And they were going to be part of this thing, this demo in the afternoon. And we were in Fort Worth. And there's a place there like Jose T's, Jose O'Shea something. It's a Mexican restaurant right out downtown. Yep. And Mac and I decided to have a beer, just one beer with lunch, harmless. And then it, he kind of like dared me. You want to have another beer? No. Like, I'm not going to back down. Sure. And, and, you know, after a couple of double dog dares and a bit of a pissing contest, next thing you know, we're, we're like five beers in. I'm like, oh, crap. We got to go to this. That'll loosen up a demo. Yeah. And, and that was the only for any future employers. That stuff's behind me now. That was the first and only time I ever did something like that. And I went yeah. in and it was just like crazy hard. And I was like so confused and scared they were going to know. And. I thought Max going to guide me through this. He was helpless. He like walked in and said, here's Jason, take it away. And I'm like, <laughs> trying to plug in my laptop to the projector. At that time we had to bring projectors with us. And I couldn't figure it out. Yeah. So somehow we get to the demo. I don't know how it's definitely the worst demo I ever gave in my life. We go back to the office a couple weeks later, like let's never talk about this again, unless we're doing a podcast, of course. And, <laughs> yeah. um, 
we got the deal and oh. our boss at the time sent out a note, intercompany note, congratulations, Mac and Jason, because we closed the deal so quickly. They were desperate start up something and like, way to go. And then Mac said, like, you know, imagine if we were sober, how you got a, a case study you need to write up for the company. Yeah, that was a tough one. Um, but I had lots of fun stuff with Mac. He was a, a good traveling companion. Yeah, he was he was great. I enjoyed working with him. So, you know, I mean, I, I think back to it, that was a that was a special time, you know, and especially for me where I was at in my career. Um, very familial group. A, a lot of, you know, I'm friends with a lot of you guys connected on, on social media, I think in part because that's when all the social media apps started, especially Facebook. So it's like I look through and I see, you know, everybody that I worked with at Bolo is, a, is it feels a little more personal. So it was always fun to, you know, come into offices and, and see all the, the great folks that um, I used to work with over there at, at Bolo. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was sort of sad kind of toward the end where it's like, it's not going to be the same that Lakewood office, the kind of the small, um, what Galleria Houston office. And then with P2, it felt like just sort of part of a, of a yeah. much bigger it, thing. But I think it was all very familial. That. I thought big yeah. time. Right. And all, all the, because we traveled so much together, you, you really did get to know each other as if you were family and we Jason and I went out to West Virginia once and sat through several days of training and did some demos and answered questions together. And that company ended up, they said, let's just take the day off on Friday and, and you all can go whitewater rafting. And it, nice. like, that, was, that was awesome. It was so much fun. And it really, those, that 10 years I worked at Bolo, I, I think we're, 10 of the best years I've ever had in a career. It, we had so much fun, but I don't think you could ever recreate it. it was- That's the great thing about working for a small company is that you do, you get so intertwined. Every, there is no, that's not my job kind of mentality. Everybody's going to pitch in and pull weight and, yeah, that's what's I think mate was always what I remember best about working for small companies and you get to the big company and it's, well, it, it's, it's just different. Mm-hmm. And, and people yeah. don't drink as much at work anymore. We used to <laughs> <laughs> speak for yourself. The, despite oh, that shit. comment, I, I would want to say, I really think it has to do with the people and mm-hmm. uh, Amanda, not to get too schmaltzy, but Amanda was kind of a leader in that office sure. and she really made it fun. I think her personality, Amanda, you really made it fun and enjoyable. I think that kind of, permeate that with you and Helen and others that really had just fun kind of good, good sense of culture and, and spirit about you. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Helen because I'll never forget at the, I, I loved Helen. You know, I think her dad passed at that time. I got married at the time. Jason gave me some, some good advice. I kind of invited Jason and Mac. We're having some quarterly business review type meeting. And I sort of in, in passing over a drink, invited them to my, uh, bachelor party in Vegas and Jason pulled me aside. He goes, Hey, listen, it might be kind of a career limiting move to uh, do that. So I would recommend that you just pretend you never asked us. Like, <laughs> good, good advice, Jay, but now back to Helen. She, she was special and, and really did a lot for me in my career um, at, at a time when I really could have used it. And I'll never forget my first date came down here in February, 2008. And at the end of the conference, you know, it's sort of awkward. I just met this woman, right? She's a little bit older. So like I, when I'm about to leave, I got my bag with me. I put out my hand to shake her, shake her hand. And she goes, no, no, we do hugs here. And <laughs> gave me a yeah. hug and I went out of my way. And that was just, that was Helen. And that was just kind of bolo, you know? Yeah. 
she was yeah. she was our mama bird. She made sure we were we had what we needed. I remember one time three of us flew into Houston or we were in Houston or in any case, three of us from Denver were in Houston and there was a torrential downpour in Houston. And I was trying to get back to the Galleria from downtown and all the highways were shut down and Cheryl and Sue were coming in. All three of us, we didn't have iPhones, so we didn't know if if I didn't have if the highway was shut down, I didn't know a back way. So I was on the phone with Helen. She was trying to tell me where to drive and then she was on the phone with Cheryl telling her which hotel to stay at because Cheryl couldn't get anywhere. I mean she just took care of us. That was just one example of hundreds. She was like a mom. She would call me sometimes. Like we were both going to Denver and she was on the earlier flight and I was on the later flight. She would call me and say, I just want you to know the parking was really bad and the lines are really long. You should probably leave 30 minutes early. <laughs> really she always that, stuff you know? like that. Yeah. She's yeah. just such Thank a good you. heart. I, I gave my notice and she teared up a little bit. You know, it was, it was like that. But um, Did she drag my name through the mud then after that? I mean, she got it once I told her the numbers that they would were offering. She's like, "Oh no, go take that job." So I overpaid you? Wait a minute, maybe, I overpaid you? Not. Oh, maybe not. Maybe not. Um, that that was a blast. Well, I wanted to thank both you guys for coming on. This is a special episode, particularly for me, and uh, it's been awesome to watch both of you evolve in your careers. I mean, both of you in, in executive level leadership positions and publicly traded companies keep keep kicking ass. And thanks for coming on our podcast. It's great well, to meet you guys. Yeah, thank you. Thank you both. Thank you. Yeah, this has been fun. Fun walk down memory lane. Awesome. Yeah.